Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody In the Booth on ESPN Radio here at Syracuse. Last show of the week before we're on the road tomorrow to D.C., the Orange and Georgetown Renewing their rivalry with a 12.30 start. Hello to all of you watching on Facebook Live. There actually are people doing that. I'm hearing that uh, people spend an hour of their afternoon, even more so. It's like in uh, Brent Axe's case, people tuning in to uh, see radio with pictures. Novel concept. And uh, hello to all of you. Feel free to uh, check in at any time at 437-7644-4ESPN44. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. God bless them for this uh, holiday season. And holiday season means holiday office parties. Just came from the uh, office potluck up at our little uh, corner of the world, the uh, sort of ACC network slash uh, athletics communications. That was a knockdown drag out affair. A lot of, a lot of fun loving people in that room. And uh, what a blast. I mean, no holds barred when you get those groups together. To is, parts, hey. Is there adult beverages at a, a no. luncheon Christmas party? No. no? That's no. a good sign. Not even a hint of it, no. Uh, there were plenty of beverages, lots of food, lots of food, and uh, and lots of drinks, very, very well appointed. Um, I was going to offer for uh, people to weigh in on my particular choice of items to bring and where that fell within the range of acceptable items we, we hit for the cycle we had all the usual there was the spinach artichoke dip there was the homemade cookies the chocolate chip there was the store-bought christmas cookies there was the cheese and crackers there was the fruit what'd you bring pizza and wings oh that's a no-brainer dude you're a god you're a potluck god <laughs> well it's not in your I, I probably could have left a little drama there it's not in your potluck wheelhouse okay now here was my rationale I wasn't going to take the time or have the time to really get in there and slave over the oven and make something with love. Okay, I, that, that's number one preference, okay? The meatballs, Higgy chimed in with the meatballs. Higgins is, you know, he he likes to think he's the iron chef. He is, actually. But uh, so he came strong with the meatballs. Uh, other people put in their work. Uh showed you know their little pet thing you know their little favorite thing and their fa- that's kind of the nature of the potluck here's my thing i like to eat right so i would be afraid of f at the potluck all you get is the chips and dip the checks mixed with powdered sugar shook up the various m&m cookie concoctions then hey where's the real food right so that was my thought process quick and easy down the street quick call Support the sponsors right in their pizza and wings. Who doesn't like pizza and wings? So I, I thought it was a pretty safe play, if not very personal or homey. You know what my new go-to is uh, at, at parties? Potluck? Yeah, yeah. The, the cannoli dip from White. I love it. I know it. I kind of uh, – that was on the board for projections oh, today. and it's uh, ridiculous. It's pretty good. I did see some of that here in the office uh, 
last week, a little leftover action I may have, may have taken a quick swipe at. They even do pumpkin spice. They go they go uh-huh. seasonal with it, mint chocolate chip. Four three seven seven six four four. if you'd like to chime in. What is your go-to potluck pickup? Is it a pickup at the store on the way? Is it to make the night before? Is it obsess over it? Is it work intensive, right? So Tom in the office, very proud of his feta dip, which was extraordinary as advertised. A lot of work in that. Made his own dip, made hummus, I think, a couple other dippy things, had some olives, a big old Greek platter with the pita and the crispy pita and the whole deal. There's a, a lot of work and love that went into that. Alex and Rick in this building yeah. go overboard, like uh-huh. mac and cheese. with. That's what, now, now you're hitting on what, had I gone to my head, had I been pressed, hey, you must bring something homemade, would have been mac and cheese. Because again, who doesn't like mac and cheese, right? It's a pretty safe play. I can cook, I just don't want, uh, the, this is a weird Polly thing like I don't want to cook. Yeah. I don't want to cook something and people get sick or not like it. So I That'd just. Be... So I'm kind of just I'm going to Wegmans and I'm grabbing the cannoli dip, I'm laying it out. <clears throat> That's a fastball right down the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's pretty. I have weird pre- hangups. Pretty safe play. Yeah, I mean you don't want to make anybody sick. That that goes without saying. I would think. Oh, I eat but Higgins I think and then meatballs. there's well, there's probably some people who shy away from even eating at those types of events for, for that very reason, that they don't know what came from whose kitchen. But we're all friends here, and we yeah. all... And then it turns into airplane, like you got to figure out who ate what yeah, <laughs> to see who's sick. So yeah. I ate a little bit of everything. I kind of played the field. Pizza and wings is... A, I'm, I'm low, I'm low I think I feel like if there was such a thing as the official meal of Central New York, it would be pizza and wings. With all due respect to Hyde's Hot Dogs and chicken riggies and things that people, uh, you know, chicken wings and that type of stuff, but, but chicken wings themselves. But pizza and wings. You watch the game, you get pizza and wings. I, I don't think in other parts of the country, I, you know, lived in the South, there's no such thing as like we have here and Cam's, you know, sponsors the, the radio station and stuff. You don't like go in and grab a slice and walk out. Like that's New York style pizza. That doesn't happen in certain parts of the country. Lord have mercy on those people, you know. But here, and they don't, most other places in the country don't have what we would consider satisfactory wings. I also but, also something you don't have anywhere else. Nice. Gas station pizza is a thing yeah. here that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Really, as much as I would like people to take advantage of the uh, fast track orange basketball <laughs> ticket four pack, uh, gas station pizza is kind of down the totem pole from all, really? all the See, other I options. Like, there's a couple I like. I like the fast track. Then they'll pizza. do the breakfast pizza. Yeah, that's good. You don't get gas station pizza anywhere else, though. Like, I drive around the yeah. country, and you yeah. don't walk in, and there's not pizza Well, on that's not something I'd be seeking out. The other thing, I think we talked about this. We're going to have Mike Waters on the show later. I want to have him refresh uh, my memory on what his response was to this, because I think I put it out on Twitter a while back, and he chimed in. What you do see in gas stations there's a particular gas station that I hit on a maybe once or twice a month basis that has, as the offerings right in front of the cashier on the counter, deviled eggs. How hungry would you have to be to eat a gas station deviled egg? I wouldn't touch it. It's like the pickled That's eggs. That's also, at bars. by the way, I and I, you know, I'm a dork, so I did Google like what do people bring to potlucks. Number one answer, deviled egg. I, you can't be bringing that. Not a, I like deviled eggs. Not everybody does. And you don't know where it's coming from, how mayonnaise is it, what, the preparation. 
Only a specific kind of deviled egg, you know, I think would really be good. Not everybody's deviled eggs are, are on the money. And, and that you talk about making somebody sick. Yeah. I there, think that's a very high risk play. I there, this is funny. I won't eat tuna fish that someone else made and deviled eggs. No way am I eating a deviled egg that someone else made. <laughs> well then you're not making it either, right? Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of work. Boiling the eggs and the whole whole you're deal. You're eating a pickled egg? I'm gonna tell you though. I'm I'm gonna award here right on the show before we get further. Uh, I don't believe I have had a pickled egg. I have seen it. I'm gonna give um, newcomer of the year snack at the potluck. So one of the things that was predictable, and I only really noticed this in my life in the last couple of years, is the the pretzel fused to the M M&M and M like with a little piece of chocolate. You know what I'm talking about? Never seen. Or oh heard. come on! So it's the you got a pretzel, then a little. You know, chocolate disc of some kind, and then M and M, kind of like a—I don't know what they're called. Maybe let's call it a pinwheel. But it's the perfect connection of sweet and salty. Who doesn't love that combo, right? So that was brought today. And from what we understand is, you put layout pretzels on like a baking sheet. You got to get you put down the chocolate disc, some milk chocolate, some white chocolate. You got to just heat it up enough. Probably throw it in the oven just for long, you know, just long enough to get that chocolate melty. Bang! Stick that. M M&M in there. So that's the standard. Uh, back when we used to do the Coach Bayheim show, which is tonight uh, at Shaughnessy's, but it used to be at a different establishment. And the uh, the waitress there who uh, brought some treats for us around the holidays, that was her go-to thing. She doubled up on the pretzel. Fantastic. And I think she, um, now that memory serves, she might have put a Rolo in there. But that's what was the star today. Pretzel, Rolo, Walnut. I, yeah, that's it. It I sounds mean, delicious. Give me a big glass of milk. Like I could sit down and watch, you know, watch football with a plate full of of that. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Rolo. That's no, like but an 80s and when you candy. wouldn't think about it. But the pretzel, then you got the chocolate, the caramel, bang with a nut on the top. I would put Rolo and your favorite, whatchamacallit, is yeah, like quintessential eighties. I don't candies. understand why how a candy can be tied to an era quite like that. Like what what is. 80s about whatchamacallit. I think they were made, I think they were originated in the 80s, and the I scene. think Rolos were too. And they were I mean, made. I know the Reggie bar. That's an early 80s. Reggie yeah. Jackson. I'd never seen a Reggie bar. Oh, come on. Google that. Reggie. That that was, uh, I think the Reggie bar was similar to um, I was kind of like a, I, kind of like a 100 grand bar. That type of thing with the the toasted rice in there covered in chocolate, but Google that. I bet, I bet Darren Ravel somewhere has a box of uh, Reggie candy bars waiting for you to recover. So that, well, that's a quality start to the show right there. We got into the potluck. And, yeah, it looks uh, exactly like. Huh? It looks exactly yeah, you like. See the, the wrapper? Yeah. yeah, big swing there from Reggie. I've never seen that. Oh yeah, get in there. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised, Paul, given your love of uh, baseball and your age and Reggie bar. There's an Isaiah bar, a Chipper Jones bar, yeah, a no Ken thanks. Griffey Jr. bar, the Kirby Pocket bar, and Jeez. Mark Price. Of all those people, would Mark Price be by a mile the least likely to have a candy bar named after him? Yeah. The, the head coach at UNC Charlotte? <laughs> what, what was in his? Like, it's like just a healthy granola bar? The Pocket bar does not sound no. delicious at all. No, it should be shaped like a hockey puck or something. <laughs> Okay, so there we go. But if, uh, we're going to get Mike Waters on, see if he wants to chime in on. Uh, I bet they have a big potluck over there at uh, Syracuse.com, or maybe that's a big company. They might do something fancy. But uh, we had a good time. And thanks to Tom and Scott and Kristen and all their organizational skills, had the 
fireplace and the carols and the whole thing going. It was a nice warm holiday feeling in the workplace. But I, I appreciate your sticking by me on the pizza. I knew you would, actually. You can't go wrong with pizza and wings. I think in any scenario. Yeah. It doesn't exactly scream holidays, but it. You know what I'm not a fan of now that you've got me going? The, the chicken wing dip. Oh, I love not, it. That not was, that was a conspicuous chicken. absence today. Not a fan of the chicken wing dip. Uh, you're the one. All right, we're back. We'll find out what Mike Waters likes at his potluck when we continue. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here until 3 o'clock today. Going to visit with our friend Mike Waters, brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And, Mike, we invoked your name before we got started here because our opening uh, discussion was about uh, it just come from the office potluck the whole concept of potluck i mean i like to eat i don't want to really leave it up to chance <laughs> so i was i was hoping for uh somebody to find it acceptable that i i just took pizza and wings <laughs> you played it safe well yeah i mean it, you're gonna have that in any situation right well, I just didn't want, you know, if, if everything was going to be somebody's, you know, famous dip over here and cheese and crackers, well, then you might not have had, what's your go-to? Have you guys had a had your office party yet? You must have a catered affair, you big swanky people over there. <laughs> if, if we did, I don't know if was I invited. Um, <laughs> I, might have, I might have missed it. Um, no, there's usually an office uh, a party and, and stuff like that. I actually, we did have one just past Saturday that sadly I had to miss. But um, the uh, you, when you get into those group efforts and everyone brings a little something, I think you know, I think you're right sometimes to play it close to the best. I worry more in the summer when you're doing outdoor events and you don't know how long the potato salad's been sitting there. Thank you. And, and that gets a little dicey, right? Yeah, and I like potato salad. That has a shelf life, not in the way you're talking about, but around here, right? That's a summery thing like you couldn't show up this time of year with potato salad right no you couldn't do that now this time of year you, you gotta have your hot you know spinach artichoke dips yeah that was i mean that was the first thing see buffalo chicken DePaul doesn't like but yeah it's standard automatic like you would feel disappointed if nobody brought the spinach artichoke and this was not like a sign-up sheet or anything this was true potluck it was oh you know so but it was a, a pretty good uh spectrum there and i think we we covered pretty much everything but i was going to lay it down on the the pizza and wings. Right, I right. don't trust anybody no, else's chili but my own, but I make that's, a mean chili. That's true. Chili is also, if I'd had a little more time, I think chili may have been the play. The problem with the chili is now you bring cleanup into the issue, and how many <laughs> of the accoutrements do you bring? Do you bring the cheese and the onions and the chips and the... <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make it a no fuss, no must, throw it out all at once kind of thing. I, I agree. I, I okay. understand. I really right. do. If I, I put as much thought as you did into oh, potlucks, I, I would be a genius. Like I, I would never fail at anything. Well, <laughs> I, I am, I'm nothing if not an overthinker, and uh, you know, you, I don't really put a lot of thought into things that matter. But uh, <laughs> you know, st- stuff like this, we got. I mean, I really thought about what to talk to uh, Mike about, other than. Uh, the conversation we've had during the week. I don't want to uh, scoop your little story there, Mike, that you're you're working on, but I know you did put some thought into Lewis Orr and uh, how and why Georgetown was a, a landing place for him and uh, must have been a, a good relationship struck up between he and Patrick Ewing with the Knicks, huh? 
Yeah, Lewis, uh, I got a chance to talk with him earlier this week on the phone, and, you know, you know Lewis, I, I think, yeah. as, as about as well as I do, and he's such a private guy. Um, I, I had to beg and plead to get him just to talk a little bit about how he wound up at Georgetown. And I think he was really worried that I was going to turn it into a, oh, he's turned a turncoat and he's, he's gone to the other side and, and you know, I'm painting him out to be some sort of, um, you know, Darth Vader sure. or something. And I had to, you know, really talk to him and say, no, I, I think people just kind of, they don't, they, they know you're there, but they don't kind of know how you did get there. And I think just that part's interesting. And, and we started talking about Patrick, and, and he got very comfortable talking about Patrick. And, and that's what kind of led to the interview as a whole. And he, he, he met Patrick when Patrick was a rookie with the Knicks. And Lewis was in his, I think, fifth or sixth year in the NBA at that time. And in his, he'd been with the Knicks for a few years already. He, he went, initially, Lewis played for the Indiana Pacers for a couple of years when he got out of Syracuse. But he'd been with the Knicks. And, you know, just kind of as a, as a veteran guy and, and knowing that Patrick was going to be a young kid and yet the center of attention, he struck up a friendship with him. There were a couple other vets on that team that Lewis mentioned, guys like Trent Tucker and Daryl Walker, and they all just kind of became like a, a, a group of friends together and did anything that normal people do as friends. They they got involved with each other's lives and, you know, uh, their personal lives, wives. He mentioned that Patrick had come to his wedding and, and it was just a friendship that lasted well beyond their playing years. And so then when Patrick becomes a, a head coach for the first time ever, he wanted to find somebody who had been a head coach before. Uh, not because of the X's and O's during the game, but there's so much more to being a head coach. And it's, you have to learn how to run your own program. And Lewis has been a head coach at three different places. And uh, between Siena, Seaton Hall, and Bowling Green, Lewis has basically seen and done it all. And between their friendship and Lewis's background, I think Patrick debuted him as, as the perfect guy that he needed uh, on his initial coaching staff. And Lewis was excited to go there. And, and Lewis didn't see the rivalry. You know, he, he understands it's there. He gets it. But Lewis is a different sort of guy. And, um, you know, where there's, I think there's some guys out there, players too, not just fans, the players that when they see a Georgetown uniform just want to turn and walk the other way so that they don't get in trouble for hitting somebody. <laughs> uh, Lewis is not that way at all. He, he just doesn't see, you know, he, he played hard in his career, uh, was a competitor, but um, rivalry just wasn't his thing. And, and certainly friendship and relationships, those things were played much more to, to, to what he wanted to do. And it was, it was really interesting. I love talking to Lewis. He, he has such a very different take on the world than most coaches or players do. Well, it's interesting, Mike, because when you – first mentioned that and when I, we first heard that uh, he was going there and I know I look at things a little bit differently than your your typical fan I don't think turncoat at all I think if you know Lewis at all you think this is somebody who views this as his way to help people and have a position where he can make some impact it just happens to be at the the rival of his alma mater at and the fans I'm sure are completely opposite of that because there's fans that are still upset that Syracuse wore gray once right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I, I love about this, too, is that Lewis just doesn't really go for the whole rivalry thing, and yet he played in the game that started it all. Correct. He, he, that was his last home game ever, uh, the famous Manly Fieldhouse's officially closed game, the loss to Georgetown in 1980. His last game ever as a senior, and yet, you know, with a shrug of his shoulders and or whatever. And his one loss and, at home, he could, he could have the most, you know, most vitriol against the uh, 
Georgetown, really, he and, and Roosevelt Bowie. Absolutely. And um, uh, Lewis might take it a little bit different. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'd have to ask Roosevelt, but uh, Lewis certainly not. And, you know, Lewis ha- had been out of coaching for a couple years after being let go by Bowling Green. Uh, and then after two years, he went to China. I mean, he was an assistant coach in China. and kind of liked it, got a little bit out of it, but I just don't think he wanted to go back uh, or do it again. That's a long way away from home. Uh, the opportunity to go to a place like Georgetown and put all the rivalry stuff aside, think about that. You have to go place, you know, coach at a place like Georgetown. It's a great program, tremendous history and tradition, playing in the in a conference like the Big East. You'd be at the play in a city like Washington, D.C., and you get to work for a guy who you know. And he's not just being hired randomly you know, off, off the you know, lobby floor of a hotel <laughs> at the Final Four. You know, he, he got a phone call, a specific phone call from Patrick Ewing saying, would you like to come coach with me? And that's got to be real enticing to anybody. No doubt, and Ewan clearly needs a bench coach, the, the same role that he had played in the NBA where maybe you can't define exactly what it is that they do, but they're there to help be the backbone of the team. And certainly at the NBA, it's about skill development and working with big men and that type of thing. When you come uh, to now the head coaching position, he needs somebody who's been there and done that and helped with game management and, as you say, uh, running the program and the various ways that you do things. And Georgetown being in an NBA arena in a major city is uh, an interesting landing spot. And also because Georgetown clearly has to make a push here. They just opened the facility. They named it after Big John Thompson. They have not been relevant on the major college basketball scene in the last few years here, and they can't afford to let Patrick Ewing fail. So I would think Georgetown's got to be now pumping as much money and, and resource into competing at basketball as they ever have. I would imagine so. And, you know, they, they have the new place on campus that you mentioned. They still get to play in the NBA facility uh, that, where the Wizards play. It's a really nice facility. We've been there a number of times for both SU Georgetown games and also a couple of NCAA tournaments have been there. So, and, uh, and an ACC tournament. So it, it, it's, a, it's a really nice setup, but I agree with you. They, they really they can't afford to have Patrick fail because that's going to be really hard if he does. You know, think about how hard it was for that school to get rid of John Thompson the third. Um, you know, as long as Big John's there, uh, that was going to be a real dicey situation. I think you know, bringing in Patrick was was the best answer at the time. But uh, you know, I think that's the reason why you see them playing the schedule they're playing so far. Sure. You know, a, a schedule a schedule with only one team that that's not in, in outside the top three hundred of of the Ken Palm ratings. I mean, it, it's the easiest schedule in the country so far. And by a mile, and Syracuse will oh. be the first uh, team they've played sub two hundred, which is uh, really astonishing to believe. And I think the reason that Georgetown is having fingers pointed at them for that is because it's not just bad; it's literally the worst, and because they had a better schedule in place with this PK-80 in Portland, which was all major conference teams. They backed out of that to fill in with cupcakes. So uh, you can understand it, I think, why they would do that from their uh, vantage point. And as we were saying, it sets up for, for this game, Mike. The, the trivia question will be, you know, again, a little side note in the rivalry that uh, either the first big win for Patrick Ewing or maybe more likely uh, the first loss for Patrick Ewing in his career would be with Syracuse. That'll be a storyline. That'll be one we're watching. It really is kind of interesting to see, though, like you know, the one team that's undefeated, and, and yet 
<laughs> in RPI, I think they're in the like the one sixties or one eighties. <laughs> and it's all because of their schedule. I mean, you, you don't get rated really high in things like the RPI or or Ken Palm when you're playing this kind of schedule. But you know, the fact of the matter is, they're eight and up. And I think that's what Georgetown officials wanted. I think it's what Patrick Ewing wanted. I think they wanted to get to eight and I I don't think he was really sur- sure what kind of team he was going to have this year. Uh, really only two veterans that he could count on and, and Jesse Govan and Marcus Derrickson. And then it's really a bunch of kids and, you know, they've done okay. They won all their games. Uh, and when you've got a new coach in there and it's someone like a Patrick Ewing, not just some, you know, random new hire, it's Patrick Ewing. I think it's a lot easier to kind of sell a, uh, a rejuvenation to the program and that we're going to get this going when you can show your your fans and your alums that you're eight and zero, even if you are playing the worst schedule in the country, rather than being four and four, and trying to tell people that well, you know those losses down in Portland and the PK eighty, those were all good losses. You know right. it was Florida, it was Gonzaga. Please listen to us and show <laughs> up at a game if you would, because you know, they have a tough time drawing. Syracuse fans who go to Syracuse Georgetown games don't understand. Or maybe they do. They're pretty savvy. Georgetown has a really hard time drawing. Games. Well, I think they know that just by the tricks. I think a lot of Syracuse fans, enough already, they're chapped by by the tricks that Georgetown plays on on how you buy the tickets there. And oh, you know, my yeah. feeling is, you know, I know that stinks to be a Syracuse fan, and that's your one. You know, if you live in the DMV, and that's your one chance uh, to see the orange come, and you get kind of raked, and you've got to make the the twenty five dollar donation to Hoya. To me, all's fair in love and war. I mean, that that's a that's marketing and and capitalism i don't begrudge them that but you can hate them for it (laughs) and you know and you understand that georgetown needs to maximize its revenue in this game because uh, they really aren't drawing in the other ones mike waters our guest for another minute or so and mike first true road game for syracuse to me um, outside of the competition level whatever that that's one of the bigger storylines for me how does this get handled where to what degree can you count on somebody like Frank Howard, who to me is going to have a lot to say about how good Syracuse is this year? He goes back close to his hometown and uh, going to have to bring it in this environment. And he played well uh, there a couple of years ago in D.C. I think it's a real interesting game for Frank. He's played really well so far this season. Uh, of course, did not have a great game uh, at the Garden against Connecticut. This game's similar. Like you said, it's sort of a true red game. I really expect there to be a lot of Syracuse fans there, I, to almost to the point where, especially in an NBA facility, except for the fact you got the Georgetown student section behind one basket, the rest of the arena is going to be neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's it's basically Frank's hometown, so he's playing a road game, but he's playing at home in front of friends and family. A little bit of pressure on on guys when they go into that situation. He's going to know a few guys on that Georgetown roster, other guys that are from the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area. Um, He's got to play better than he did against UConn. You know, Syracuse cannot count on uh, Matthew Moyer having the game of his life. And and, and also, you know, we don't really know anything about Georgetown other than Jesse Govan's got some really good numbers at center. He's going to be a problem. He's other a big than that, dude. you don't know. But I, I think other than containing the big guy in the middle, getting a good game out of Frank is essential for Syracuse on Saturday. And for Syracuse, will they, you know, to what way will they use those 10, or if you count Dolajai, 15 fouls, that's on the supposition that Barama Sadibe is back healthy and, and ready to go. He obviously probably won't be 100%. So uh, to me, that's a, a big one to watch and see how that matchup takes place. All right, uh, Mike, you your uh, first time on this show, and we're looking forward to having you on a, a regular basis. Uh, 
we do allow Polly one question per show, so he's playing that card now. Okay. All right. Uh, UConn, Georgetown have seemed to have lost their luster as a rival, and uh, a lot of people worried going into the ACC, something like this could have more Syracuse's kind of just floating out there without a rival. Who would you say that Syracuse's big basketball rival is right now? I don't know that they have one, Polly. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really think that they do. I mean, I think Syracuse fans get a little riled up when Duke comes to town, but Duke doesn't really reciprocate those feelings. Um, kind of like the way when Maryland was in the ACC, they wanted to make Duke their rival. Duke's busy with Carolina. The, the Georgetown thing or Connecticut, they're not in the same conference anymore. And while they've been trying to play those teams uh, every year, it's unless you play them every year. It's hard to say that you're really a rival. Now they've been trying to keep up the the whole thing with Georgetown uh, more so than, than Connecticut. Actually, Connecticut's just been the last three years. First two years out of the Big East, they didn't see Connecticut. So, uh, who's their biggest rival? I don't, I don't know. I I think right now you kind of have to wait for a rivalry to either spark it happens, like Manly Fieldhouse is officially closed, or it's something that's got to build over time. You know Polly has a suggestion, Mike. I got a suggestion. You know Polly has a suggestion. Okay, far away. I'm pushing Virginia. Virginia has every reason on earth to hate us for the past two years. (laughs) Right? And and I think that's the the only opening we really have in basketball right now is we've stormed back. We held them out of the Final Four two times in a row. And and I would, they're going to be good for a while. We're going to be good. I like Virginia. I think the idea was that, you know, it might have been Pittsburgh, and then Jamie Dixon left. And at Pittsburgh last year and this year is just not the same, so it's really kind of hard to get uh, all excited about a Syracuse-Pittsburgh game, too. I, yeah, I, I don't know who it is. I really don't. I, I, just, I, I know that it doesn't feel like it's quite there the way it used to be uh, with Georgetown and Connecticut now that they're not in the same league and you know, seeing each other more than once a year and, and, you know, the odds of seeing each other at a conference tournament at the garden, uh, you know, cause those are the games you remember, um, is, or all those games at the garden, a few at the dome. It's, um, yeah, uh, it, it's not the way it was. Maybe it still is a rivalry at some level, Syracuse and Georgetown, but, uh, I, and I, I think whenever you do see them again, it'll, re, you know, re-energize some of those feelings, but I, I and I don't know. Probably I, my answer is, is I don't think they have a rival right now. And it's got to come over time. You need the volume of games and stories and close calls. And, and there, there's no more volume than there is in the, the Georgetown series. As you say, Duke is never going to take Syracuse as a rival. And uh, I don't know if Virginia will either necessarily. But uh, the, the last couple of games certainly are noteworthy. You, you need those and about six more before you start to to really think that, and uh, we'll see how it develops. We're all still learning this, and even talking to somebody the other day about the ACC tournament and reminding them Syracuse still hasn't won an ACC tournament game, which is uh, a box they're hoping to, to check come the spring. All right, Michael, uh, we, you were very generous with your time. We appreciate it, and you know, if you want to get together here before uh, Christmas, I'll, I'll swing by and get some of those gas station deviled eggs for you. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Yeah. yeah they got from the guy who overthinks potluck dinners. He wants me to eat that. <laughs> Anything for you, though, buddy. All right, Matt. All right. There's See Mike you. Waters. Appreciate it. We'll have Mike on a regular basis come uh, conference season.
on Thursdays brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And we thank Mike. Mike's uh, on his way to D.C., and we'll see him there on the weekend, the Orange and Hoyas, Saturday, 1230. Don't think he bought my Virginia. No, I think he's. I think he was kicking that can down the road looking yeah, for... Uh, being polite. Well, these and especially to me, you want the rivals... The best rivalries are rivalries in every sport and all that too, which is never going to happen yeah. with Georgetown, and um, you know isn't really going to happen with Virginia either, just because of the there's not the history there, and you they don't play, play football lot. very regularly, and um, so that's part of the deal when you switch conferences is trying to establish that, and uh, you know it's a topic for another time, maybe when we have a little more time, but there aren't the surefire answers for great rivalries right now in football and, and in, you know, I think in basketball you, you can look at some of these others, but to me that's among the reasons you hold on to Georgetown. It's always going to be relevant to be digging up these stories and, and uh, the type of feelings that uh, people have because the people who make it rivalries are not so much the players that are 20 years old, it's the alums and the ones that have lived it for 20, 30, 40 years uh, going past their college time. All right, we're overdue for a timeout. Back with more as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. Who leaked Shohei Otani's medical information? Major League Baseball wants to find out the league launching an investigation into the leak, which was published Tuesday in Yahoo Sports, or should I be on Yahoo Sports? Anyway, the 23-year-old right-hander suffered an injured elbow and received treatment, but the website published details of the injury from Otani's medical report. Last week, Otani signed with the Angels. Did people on Facebook Live get the eye roll I just threw to Polly? I mean, yeah. The in slash on Yahoo Sports? Is it on? I would say on. It's a website. Yeah, that's what I thought. As opposed to in a magazine. Um, well, what's it matter now? I mean, he whoever did, like if I'm the Angels, I'm saying whoever leaked it should have leaked it ahead of time. Well, let's go. Russia. <laughs> yeah, right? Hashtag collusion. <laughs> and there shouldn't be any leaking. Like To me, when you're making the investment that these major league organizations do in players and human beings, they ought to know you inside out and upside down and uh, obviously – or be willing to – or ha- have it be a known risk that they're taking. I haven't heard the Angels say that yet, that maybe, hey, yeah, we did know about this. We were comfortable uh, with this treatment. I, I don't know that I'd really paid much attention to platelet-rich plasma treatment. Uh, which would also be a terrible thing to bring to a potluck. But uh, <laughs> last, for last night, well. yeah, they were uh, making reference to that being commonplace in the NBA uh, as a treatment for knee disorders and that type of thing. But they'll get to the bottom of it. Speaking of the Angels, did you see that uh, Chase Headley is rumored to be heading that way? Padres moving him on, as yep. you predicted, right? Yeah, looks that way. Walt Disney is buying 21st Century Fox which includes its 22 regional sports networks. The deal, announced earlier today, is worth $52.4 billion, and it means Disney will take control of the Yes Network, Fox Sports West in L.A., and networks that carry over 40 teams in the MLB, the NBA, and the NHL. Yeah, let's not get this confused. This is ESPN taking over the uh, Fox regional sports networks, so... Uh, I'm not entirely sure what all the ramifications are going to be of that, and, and I think you might see that when it comes to carriage, for instance, of the ACC network and, and that type of stuff that will impact us around here. But uh, this is huge. I mean, to th- just to think the amount of dollars involved 
and uh, Disney. Obviously, you're talking about two ridiculously large companies here, Disney and Fox. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the the outcome of this. This this has a a chance to change the way we watch sports. I can't wait to see Shepard Smith and Mouse Ears. And Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had nothing, and I just had to crowbar something into it. They're getting the news, too, right? I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Fox News Network, probably. Yeah. Well, I'm with Matt. I would, ho- I would hope so, because it wasn't any of the ones that he listed. That's what Is Chef Smith Jiminy works Cricket, for. Cricket, that's a big deal, a better one? I- I'm with Matt on the uncomfortable silence of that really terrible well, joke. Well, I-, I think what we have here is we have... In this office, we have somebody who laughs at everything that's said, and then somebody who thinks everything he says is funny. Oh, I am hysterically funny. Which one? And then you're kind of in the middle, Joe. Oh, well, you you go. laugh wholeheartedly at stuff that might not really be funny, but if it's definitely not funny, you don't laugh. All right. And an Uber driver. But you also didn't come in yesterday, so <laughs> that's true. That's and I might joke. not come in tomorrow. An Uber rider in Toronto has had a or who had a five mile drive was charged more than eighteen thousand five hundred dollars. That's over fourteen thousand in American money. Uber first denied the passenger a refund and then changed their mind and is now looking into how that error happened. Here's the thing with Uber, don't you know the price of it before you actually hit the request to come? So that that obviously would have shown as a glitch, right? One would think. What I well, somebody was talking in the office here the other day, I forget who it was, about they can't get Uber to come. Uber cancels if they're trying to pick up at their house because they live in like an apartment that's new enough that it doesn't show on the map, the digital map or the Google map or whatever it is they have. I can't get my head around an $18,000 charge being approved. <laughs> like, I can't imagine uh, who's having to got, pay it. Yeah, who's got that money? Like, oh, meaning going like, through like the, yeah, like the bank. Was well, like, would they actually geez. know the amount in your bank account before it goes through? Well, the bank would reject an eighteen thousand if you didn't have the amount of money in it, right? You wouldn't get picked. I up. I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's your PayPal that's tied to a credit card or something like that. But I'm guessing it wouldn't go through, right? Sure it would. I mean, if you have that that limit, I think they could can do that. I can't get my head around that. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. That's a lot of fast food wrappers on the floor of your car there, probably. Probably would be the worst Uber driver. that would be junk everywhere in the car. Not good. Padre's hat, though, would be constantly on. We're back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Hope you can join us out at Shaughnessy's tonight, the Marriott Syracuse downtown, the official hotel of Syracuse Athletics and the home of the Jim Beheim show brought to you by AmeriQ. We'll be out there tonight at 7, 7 to 8 with Coach. Coach has been off uh, watching his son Buddy play, so uh, looking forward to uh, hearing his thoughts on that, even if they might be off the air. And then we'll talk about the Georgetown matchup and his eyes, what will be the most important factors in the game, and uh, certainly can take your questions and comments by phone and various other ways tonight. Best is to just come out and be with us at Shaughnessy's. We also encourage you to subscribe to ESPN Syracuse and iTunes and Google Play and receive daily podcasts of Orange Nation in the booth, the Daniel Baldwin Show, and on the block, all sent right to your phone. What's the deal with Star Wars? What do I need to know? There's another one out. I know you're totally tonight, geeking out about that. Tonight, uh, myself and Brent X are having yeah, a bro are, date, and we're going to 930. You're like, i got to be the first yeah, one there. Packing the up first after one. the Bayheim yeah. show and going. Wearing your... I, I will never wear a lightsaber. Or, or no, outfits. your princess Leia hair. Nope, not doing what that. A dork. But I will not. What do I, I mean, just ba- like ten seconds. What What do I need to know about it? I don't know. I'll tell you oh. tomorrow. I don't. Know, there's no setup. It's. I mean, the, it's been. You know, they were talking about the NBA. There's a lot, a lot of synergy going on there. 
They could. Uh, All right. Well, we'll hear about it on the trip then. Okay. Game Saturday, twelve thirty, for Polly and Joe and even Seth. I'm Matt saying so long. Back on Monday in the booth. Happy holidays, everybody, on ESPN Radio Syracuse.